Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Quit Your Day Job. I am Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. Am I wearing sweatpants while I record this? You will never know. This podcast is all about dream jobs, the ones you wished you had when you were a kid and the ones you pin up on your vision board. I decided to chase after my dream jobs in 2020 by taking unpaid internships at four of them. I quit my job as CEO of a philanthropy consulting business to try my hand working on Broadway, in fitness, as an art dealer, and at a hotel. And then I wrote a book about my experience, which will be out in 2023. I am psyched to share my story with you, but in the meantime, I'm bringing you a few others, real people who work really cool jobs. So before you quit your day job to go be a painter or an actress or a life coach, listen in and see what it's really like behind the scenes. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Quit Your Day Job. I am really, really pleased and delighted to have here today amidst all of the internet problems I have been having this afternoon, Steve Lopez on the podcast. Steve is a Los Angeles Times columnist, four-time Pulitzer Prize finalist, and best-selling author. He has been a columnist for Time Magazine, the Philadelphia Inquirer, San Jose Mercury News, and Oakland Tribune. After beginning his career in 1975 as a sports writer, and he's won more than a dozen National Journalism Awards, which are too numerous to uh, name all here, but they are all in his bio. You can find them. Lopez has written three novels and a best-selling nonfiction book, The Soloist, which was a New York Times bestseller and winner of the Penn USA Award for Literary Nonfiction. The book was the subject of a DreamWorks movie by the same name, and his latest book is what we're super excited to talk to him about today. It's called Independence day, what I learned about retirement from some who've done it and some who never will. And it's going to be coming out this month, September, 2022. So Steve, what an impressive bio and welcome to the podcast. Well, it's so good to be with you. I'm looking forward to this. I am so delighted to have you here from across the world in California, California to Scotland line. So we're hoping you guys will be able to hear us well throughout. And, you know, this this podcast is about people thinking about leaving their jobs, about what their dream job might be. And I was really intrigued when I learned about your book because retirement is sort of the end game for a lot of people or the next step for some, regardless of their age. I think a lot of people are thinking about what retirement actually means and what it means now. And you appear to be the expert. So I'm really excited to dive into this with you. You know what? I'm not sure that I would call myself an expert because I've been so ambivalent trying to figure out what the heck to do and what is retirement. You know, I woke up today and there's this story that uh, Serena Williams, the great tennis star, is going to be putting her tennis racket into the closet. And yet she objected to the term retirement. She said she is not having a retirement. She's having an evolution. And I think that's a nice way to think about it because it's retirement is like uh, so final. 
And what I've learned in the last year and a half of thinking about this and talking to people about this is that, uh, you know, retirement can come in many forms. And it's kind of a transition, a big transition, but, you know, it's not it's not necessarily completely closing the door on any one thing. And maybe it's more about opening new doors to new experiences. I love that. That is fascinating. So we typically start out with a top five and the top five I would like you to think about and share is what are the top five ways that you have heard from all of your many conversations that people dream about spending their retirement? What are like the top five things that have come up again and again and again when you've talked to people about their retirement? Well, I would say number one is people saying, I want to spend more time with my family. So that's, and they usually mention because the retirement age, if there is such a thing as a retirement age, that's so much changing these days. It's, I want to spend time with my kids and especially my grandchildren. So I think that would be number one. I think probably number two is people who are going to travel. People, you know, who have put off these trips that they want to take and they've never had the time. And I got to tell you that I'm in that, I, I would put that on near the top of my list because I've been lucky. I've traveled a lot of places in the world, but shame on me. I have not been to Scotland. Well, now you know somebody here to come visit. (laughs) But not only do I want to travel in the sense that I'm going to take one week vacation here or there, I want to really experience places, which is something that I haven't had the time to do because I've worked for 50 years. Mm. And that's another thing that I hear from people. So they want to spend time with family and they want to travel But they don't want to do like uh, there was an old movie that you're too young to have ever heard about. If it's Tuesday, this must be Belgium. And it was about one of those organized trips where you're in a different city every every day and you can't even remember where you are. People that I talk to want to settle in somewhere Mm. and get to know rather than go to three tourist spots and then move on to the next place or return home. So let's see. That's two. Another one is I hear from a lot of people who want to do good deeds. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe these have always been good people. Maybe they've been evil people and they're trying to uh, balance the slate. Before they run out the clock, exactly. (laughs) Right. So those tend to be people who, let's say they enjoy going to, let's say they enjoy going to the local orchestra performances or to an art museum or to, in California, there was one woman in my book who loved the mission, San Juan Capistrano. Mm. And she wanted to be a docent. She wanted to lead tours there with children. So volunteering is is a big thing that I hear people want to do. I would say that uh, in the top five also is just plain slumming, having no schedule, answering to nobody, and, you know, just kind of floating, which also appeals to me. Same. That appeals to me a lot, <laughs> Yeah, I have never, I've never, you know, had the time to do that. And then definitely in the top five has got to be people who wanted to learn how to do something and they haven't had the time to do it. And now they're going to experience it. It's um, you're going to learn to fly an airplane. You're going to learn to make rugs. You're going to learn finally how to play the guitar, which is what I've been working on for the last year sneaking it in before my full retirement. Those kinds of things where you want to you wanna paint. You painted a little bit. You always wanted to get back to it. You never had time. You're going to take a class on painting or on cooking. So I'd say those are the top five that, is an that I heard. Excellent top five. I would like to do all of those things. I feel like I maybe have done some of them. If it wasn't for my 
kids, I'd be like somewhere else. I mean, I'm already somewhere else, I suppose, from where I grew up, but sitting in a coffee shop in Japan somewhere, like waiting for my karaoke room to open up and uh, because I have a really cute apartment right above it. I mean, that's just like, definitely, definitely I can relate to that. And I'm only 40, so I'm a little far from retirement age, I think, but maybe, maybe not. We'll see how it goes. But I love that list. And they all sound like incredible ways for people to spend their time. And I really want to talk to you about what you found in the book. But before we get into that, I need you to tell me a little bit about yourself and your incredible career. So, you know, take us on your journey. Where did you start and how did you get to where you are now? Well, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area and um, didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't have a lot of skills. I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't get into any good schools. I went to the local community college for a couple of years. And I was uh, kind of a jock, to be honest. I was going to a lot of ball games. I was drinking too much beer. And when my uh, community college counselor heard that, she said, so you go to ball games and you drink a lot of beer. And I said, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that's all. That's about all I've got going. And she said, well, then you need to be a sports writer. And I said, why is that? And she said, that's what they do. They go to a lot of ball games, and some of them drink a lot of beer. And I said, I, I might actually be qualified for this. So <laughs> I went to San Jose State University, studied journalism, and two years later had my B.A. in journalism and got a couple of jobs as a sports writer. But I got bored, to mm. be honest. It's I kind of enjoyed hanging out at a ball game, but I didn't enjoy having to pay close attention right. and think about formulating a story and having to pull quotes out of the players, whatever the sport might have been. And then there was an opening at the Oakland Tribune for a news reporter. And to me, that was the beginning of my real education because I was general assignment. And what that is, for people who haven't heard that term, you're sitting in a big newsroom. And you don't have a specific beat. You don't cover labor. You don't cover education. You don't cover health care or immigration. You're just one of the people there in this little battalion of people who get sent out to cover whatever is breaking. You know, it's a storm. Wow. It's a triple murder. It's, a, it's, a, it's an important school board meeting. And so I would get sent out on those stories at the Oakland Tribune. And every time I went out, I learned something. And I met fascinating people. And I would come back to the newsroom, and here were all of these people. I was surrounded by people whose interests extended beyond sports, unlike myself. And they would talk about their travels and the books they were reading. And I just thought, boy, I have been an idiot. I've been a real dummy. I've missed out on so much. I started reading more. I started traveling more. And I really, really got interested in journalism and trying to find my voice as a writer. I know that's kind of a, that's a term that, that people wince when they hear voice. But for me, voice was figuring out, okay, why am I doing this? Right. What do I have to say that's different from anybody? And I really studied it. I really read, I read columnists I admired, like Jimmy Breslin and Mike Royko. And I wanted to be like them. And I wanted to explore places and write about people who otherwise didn't get into the newspaper. And that's how my that's how my career began. And I kept moving from one newspaper to a slightly bigger one to a different newspaper in another part of the country. And it has been fascinating. It has not been like work. I mean, yes, I've got to produce. Yes, I'm on the clock. Yes, there's deadline pressure. But it has never, ever felt like work. And that's one reason when I thought maybe I should retire. I had to ask myself, retire from, from fun, right. retire from 
retire from this, you know, this privilege of being able to parachute into people's lives and talk to them and learn from them. So I've really, really wrestled with what to do as I approach 70. And there are all of these other things I want to do besides wake up and think about the next story. But I began worrying quite a bit about who I would be when I walk away from all of that. So that's what I've been exploring for the last couple of years now. And how did the book really come to be? So did you, you were kind of having this, your own internal crisis and you decided you wanted to talk to other people and see how they were approaching retirement? How did you kind of get the idea to turn this into, you know, full length project? I've got to be honest, right as the pandemic was settling in, before we knew what it was or how locked down we would be, I had lunch with my good friend who also happens to be my book agent. And he and I often talk about uh, family stuff and what's on your mind stuff. And I told him that I was beginning to think about retirement. And he said, why? And I said, you know, the, I was there for the heyday of American newspaper journalism. Papers are struggling to hold on. Thousands of people have lost their jobs. Hundreds of newspapers have closed. Mm. I've had a good long run of almost a half century, and I am at the age where I'm beginning to have the health problems that my parents had. And I think that it's probably genetic and inescapable. And I really fear that although I love what I'm doing, I'm going to wait too long to retire and all of these things I want to do, yeah. like learn music and language and, and do the traveling. I won't be able to do because I won't remember my, my wife's name. I, I'll be too hobbled to be able to travel. And and I said, so I, I, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure whether I want to walk away, whether I want to wait longer, whether I might wait too long. And I really fear figuring out who I am when I leave a job that my identity has been so wrapped up in. And David Black, the agent, said, okay, so you're thinking about what 75 million other Americans are thinking about. Mm -hmm. You need to write a book. You need to figure it out. Give yourself a one-year deadline. Do what you do. Interview a bunch of people. Ask them, you know, are you happily retired or miserably retired? What would you do differently? What are your thoughts on what you want to do if you do get a chance to retire? So I spent a year. I thought my, my agent had a a great idea. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can do this. So I, I started writing on the 4th of July. Okay. And I emailed him and said, I've got a, I've got a name for the book, Independence Day. And he said, you know, Independence Day. And I said, yes, the day when I break free. But I'm not sure I want to break free. And I said, I'm going to end it on Independence Day a year later. Wow. So there you go. That's where the book came from. That's amazing. And so that was 2020 to 2021. You focused on this. That's Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And exactly. how did your, well, how did your feelings about retirement change and how did you change what you were going to plan on doing? Or how did, what did you decide to do, I suppose, after going through that experience? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Okay, so for the first three, four, five months... As I interviewed people, everybody I interviewed <laughs> made up my mind. <laughs> the last person that I talked to, somebody who, say, would never leave work. How could you leave work? This is an important mission you're doing. You've got you've to stick with it. And I'd say, absolutely. I want to be like that. I want to be like that. And then the next day, I'd interview somebody who said, oh, my God, I never realized how liberating it would be to create this new identity for myself and have time to explore the things I, I I never had time to do. And I would say, that's what I'm going to do. I've got to do it. And I really, really. You're very easily was, swayed. I am. I am. Uh, maybe I'm just, I don't know. And I would, for the first six months, I just did not know. And then the halfway point is early January, you know, from July to July. And I was going to bed one night and got an email from somebody informing me that a longtime Los Angeles city official had just died. Mm. He was a friend of mine, and his wife is one of my my wife's really close friends, and almost exactly my age. Right. And he he retired. He was forced to retire. He was an elected official, and he termed out. He had already had enough terms as a, a Los Angeles city councilman that he couldn't run again. So here he was, my age, sort of newly retired. And he died. And the early report was cardiac arrest. And this is maybe another story for you. But I once died of cardiac arrest. Oh, my God. And I guess I'm back from the dead. And anyhow, when I saw that, I couldn't believe that Tom was gone. He was so full of life. He so enjoyed life and living. And I thought, that's it. It could happen to me yeah. at any moment. I know that because it already happened once and I had to be resuscitated. And I was sure halfway through the book, after hearing of Tom's death and attending his funeral, that I was going to I was going to retire because uh, we're all on borrowed time. Right. And uh, you don't have much much time left in the bank when you when you get to be my age. So that was a big turning point for me. What I did begin to consider was that Tom was somebody who really, 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 really loved his work. And because of term limits, could no longer do it. So did retirement do him in, is what I started to wonder. Wow. And did he ever find himself in retirement? And did he really move on to that next big thing? Did he reinvent himself? And did he find what one person in the book, Nancy Schlossberg, who's in her 90s, said, we all will be looking for, whether we realize it or not. We want to matter. Yeah. We want to matter in that next phase. And even if it's mattering to your dachshund or to your cat, you want to matter. You want to, you want to need to, for somebody, you want somebody to need you. You want relevance. You want a life of purpose yeah. and meaning. And I think that, uh, you know, the lesson for me in Tom's death was I really need to find my own purpose before I take this leap. 
what am I going to do that makes me feel connected and, and, and helps me build a new identity as a former journalist? So it was really a, a time in the trajectory of this book when things started to come together for me. And I interviewed people around that time like Mel Brooks and Norman Lear, who are both working and in their 90s. And they each had some pretty good advice. And they're kind of outliers in the book because I don't talk to a lot of celebrities. I live in L.A., but, you know, I, my, my work is about working people. Right. And that's that's what the book is filled with, teachers and law enforcement and that sort of thing. But around that time, Norman Lear said something to me that really resonated. And Mel Brooks had a pretty good suggestion. And so the book started, the, my direction started to come together right around then. It was um, one half to two thirds, three quarters of the way through the book. I was rounding the corner and, and coming back to, if I do change my schedule, I can't walk away entirely. Right. It's going to have to be some kind of a hybrid. And that was, in fact, what Mel Brooks advised me to do. I think that sounds completely fascinating. So... Well, I mean, okay, first of all, I have to ask you, when you had your, when when you died and were brought back to life, did that change how you thought about your working life and your future at all when that happened? It changed everything for me. Yeah. And um, as I speak to you, as I speak to you, let's say, I, I'm about, let's see, what is the date? I'm about uh, two or three weeks from the 10-year anniversary of my death. Oh, my God. Yeah, which is not something that a lot of people can say. No, no indeed. <laughs> uh, my wife and daughter roll their eyes when I talk about my death. Because it was not a very long death. I was I was out less than a minute, I think. I mean, I think it still counts, though. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for saying. So I had these creaky knees in my 50s, and I tried everything. And my deteriorating knees became very uh, limiting. I'm, I'm an active guy. I like to go out and take a walk and swim and ride a bike and play tennis and uh, hike. And uh, so I needed knee replacements, they said. And when I had the first one, I was in post-op. And went into cardiac arrest. Oh, my God. Um, I knew I had an arrhythmia, but they had said, hey, you're going to be okay. You can handle this. Your arteries are clean. Your problem is electrical rather than plumbing. But I didn't handle it very well. And so when I when I woke up and realized that I had flatlined, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, a, it's really, it shakes you up. It shook me up because, you know, it's, 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 it's a mortality slap in the face. Mm. And we all we all know that we, we, we could go at any minute and in a million different ways, but it happened. Yeah. And and I thought it could happen again. And I, I I think it I think it made me want to find ways to live a life of purpose, maybe even a little bit more to prioritize things. You know, I had at, at the time my my daughter was, let's see, she just turned nineteen. Um, she just walked in the room to get the dog. Um, at the time, she was not. Yeah. And I just, I, I have a nine-year-old daughter. I want to be around. I want to be around. So I think I tried to get a little bit healthier. It had me thinking a lot now, 10 years later, about whether, you know, I want to do exactly what I'm doing for the rest of my life, mm -hmm. knowing that I could be gone any minute, like it happened before, it could happen again. And do I want my life to end? Never having, having taken that jump to yeah. try something else, you know, to have my, as Serena Williams just called it, my evolution. evolution. Yeah. I mean, you know, she, she didn't want to play tennis her entire life and her line of work couldn't play it your, your whole life. 
Um, I don't think I want to do what I've done exactly the way I've done it for my entire life. I want to try something new. I want to try something different. And um, one of the people in my book is a rabbi um, whose whose advice was, um, don't make the mistake of quitting to do all of these things you thought you wanted to do without sampling them first. Right. <laughs> squeeze, in, squeeze in a little bit of time to find out if you really want to volunteer, you know, at the nursery school. Yes. Um, because you might on your third day decide, oh my God, can I please go back to work? I, I didn't, I didn't expect this. So um, I've been doing a little bit of that. I've been um, sampling the things I wanted to do, spending a lot more time studying Spanish um, and um, and music. Amazing. Yeah, I'm getting a sense of whether uh, that's something that I'll want to do even more hours of the day when I when I when I break free entirely. I thought that was really good. That was among the best advice I got in the book. Among all the people I interviewed, was you know before you leap into that thing you think you've been wanting to do, try to get a yeah. more of a, a bite of that apple before you want to eat the whole thing. So that's actually what my book is about. So I took a year off and I went and did unpaid internships at all the jobs I thought I wanted to do when I was a kid. And, oh, what a great idea. Uh, and uh, to decide what I wanted to do next. And so that's, that was my book is a memoir and that's kind of what it came out. But so I got, I got there at 38. I was like, I, I've been doing this for a while. I don't know if I still want to do it. And I went, I interned off-Broadway and on-Broadway. I worked for a contemporary art dealer. I worked in a hotel. And I worked for a retro dance and fitness company and had all kinds of ventures. And I still want to do internships all the time. Every time I meet somebody with an interesting job, I'm like, would you like an unpaid intern for a few weeks? Meanwhile, my husband and children are like, please stop doing this. You need to be around. Yeah. I'm not quite at, at retirement age. You know, my kids are my kids are 10, so they, uh, they still like to have me around at least for a little while longer. Well... You know what? Good for you. Good for you. I mean, it's like a Walter Mitty kind of a thing. And I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't, probably don't have enough time to have 10 different <laughs> new lives. But I, I do want to um, still wrestle with um, how to figure out the rest of it. I mean, it, it's something that evolves, as you're finding. I mean, I, I, I thought that this was a binary thing. I'm going to I'm going to keep working or I'm going to retire. Right. And I that the nature of work today is such that you know, there are hybrid plans because we don't all go into offices anymore during the pandemic. There is more kind of flex time and telecommuting. And, you know, some people who retired found that as their nest egg started to shrink mm -hmm. with the market collapse, their expertise and experience was desirable to companies that were having trouble finding employees. Right. So. I think a lot of people are in flux about their work lives right now and in some ways more than ever before because, you know, the model of 35 or 40 years at the factory and then get a fountain pen and retire to the golf course, that's that's still happening. But uh, there are so many alternatives today and um, a lot of people are exploring. I mean, your timing in writing this is like pretty impeccable because I think the entire idea of, of work and what it means in our lives and how we do it every day, the pandemic really changed that for a lot of people. Do you think you would have come to the same conclusions if you had written this book, say, five years ago? I don't know. I, I, I did. <laughs> I'll tell you, one of my favorite lines in the book is not from me, it's from my wife. And you're talking about, you know, processing all of this through the the pandemic. 
One thing the pandemic did was it had me working from home more than I ever have in my working life. And my working life really is a half a century. Mm -hmm. That's how long I've been doing, going to an office. And all of a sudden, my wife, freelancer, works in our house. She always has. Um, and here I am in the same house. It's a two-bedroom house. <laughs> I'm, look, it's a good, solid marriage. But to a two-bedroom house with the offices in the den. So the only space for me to work was in the den. But that's where her desk is. And I said one day to her, innocently, you know, the pandemic is like, it's giving me like a preview. This is a preview of what my retirement will be because I'm home all the time. Right. And my wife, if this is a preview, I do not want to see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love that. But it did, yeah, it did change. So, I mean, it did change that for a lot of people, I think, and make people yeah. reflect. And you've got the great resignation supposedly happening now amidst all of this. So it's a pretty fascinating yeah. time to be writing about, you know, transitions or evolutions in your working life. Yeah. The other really good advice I got was from Nancy Schlossberg, who has studied and written about these transitions. Uh, she's in her 90s and still writing and consulting on retirement and adult transitions. And she told me to, um, as I process this and think about what to do, to keep in mind that everything, when I walk away from the job that I'm doing, even if I have a plan, you know, a, a plan that's about mattering in some way and pursuing some interests, she said, everything will change. Things that you have not anticipated will change. Mm. Your relationship with your spouse will change, with your children, with your friends with your former colleagues who may or may not want to, you know, have time for you anymore. Everything changes. And then you have all of this stuff coming at you that you could not have anticipated, you know, the redoing the, the knee replacement, health issues, financial uh, stresses that you did not anticipate, um, natural disaster. She said, you have, you, you don't make the mistake of settling into your new retired or semi-retired phase, thinking that it's going to be kind of static. Your life will continuously change and you will have many, many challenges and you will work through it. You will work through it. But people tend to think of this as, okay, I did the work. Now I'm going to do this yeah. and it's going to be nice. It's going to be, you know, uh, clear sailing. That's not the way it is. It's still life and it's filled with disappointment and with loss. And uh, Nancy told me as I was interviewing her that she lost her husband and she never would have thought it. But she then had a relationship with the man for five years and she didn't see this coming, but he died. And as I'm as I'm interviewing her on the phone, her phone beeps and she says, I got to get this. It's my boyfriend. <laughs> she, oh, my God. Nancy, she took the call. Nancy living the life. You know, good for her. Good for her. That's the way I want to be in, re in retirement is trying different things. And continuing to live, continuing to be engaged and connected. I mean, that's that's what I'm hoping retirement is for me. And I'm hoping my health is good enough that I can enjoy that kind of stuff. Well, I hope so, too. I hope it's good enough to take you on a flight over here so I can take you out for a beer. I, I won't watch sports with you because that's not my thing. But there's lots of sports to see in Scotland if that is what you so choose to do when you come over. But What would the beer be? What, tell me what a good local beer Oh, man. Well, so I spend a lot of time on the Isle of Skye, and I like Sky Gold, which is there's like Sky Brewing Company, I think they're called. And they have like an ale 
and pale ale. They have a few different kinds, but I like a very light beer. I'm such a, I'm real basic in that way. I really prefer you know, champagne, but I'll have you with you. <laughs> well, you and I, you and I should have a beer because there's such an IPA craze in the U.S. and I prefer a lager or a pilsner or maybe an ale. So um, let's do that. Let's get a light, right. crisp. Perfect. Um, yeah. Steve, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Your book is out in September, which is when this is airing, so people will be able to get it. Um, where else can people find uh, you online? Do you have a website or a kind of social media presence that people can follow you on? Um, I am um, I'm most um, easily accessible at uh, just go to latimes.com. Steve Lopez and anybody who wants to email me about their retirement experiences, I actually do still use email because I'm that old. <laughs> Steve.Lopez at latimes.com. I'm uh, developing a little bit more of a, a social media presence. I'm at LAT Steve Lopez. That's at LAT Steve Lopez on Twitter and going to be up on uh, Instagram soon. So, uh, Thank you so much for, for doing this. I really had fun chatting with you. So did I. Thank you so much for your time today. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to Quit Your Day Job. We are a Zcast production and want to send huge thanks to the whole Zibby Books team for their support. Find me on Instagram at Alicia F. Miranda. I would love to hear what you thought about the episode, future jobs you want me to profile, or the burning questions you think I should ask my upcoming guests. And if you decide to quit your day job, let me know.